Okay, so Is that how are we doing here? Everybody ready to listen now? A cup of coffee in hand? Good to go? We'll give just a minute for those to come in. So, Joanne, how have you been? Good. Okay, really good. all right. We, we asked Joanne to read our scripture for us this morning. If you have your Bible, why don't you go ahead and start turning or dial it up on your smartphone to the book of Romans and chapter 12. And she's going to read a couple of verses for us. So, thank you, Joanne. You're welcome. One and two. This is wonderful. Yeah, step right over there and make sure. Okay. So, go. I get to bring more sweet words. All right. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. 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 Thank you. So if you were here last week, we talked about making room for God's direction. And as I went to the group meeting on Sunday night and I listened, uh, I started reflecting on what I'd preached and I was listening to people talk about it. And I got to thinking, you know, basically we covered one point and that is to cry out to God, to ask him for direction and to make sure that we're not depending on our own ways, but we're looking to him. But what do you do if it's not a crisis? What do you do if it's a daily decision that you're making, dealing with daily choices? How do you make room in your life for that? So the last few weeks have been a little unusual as far as weather's concerned, wouldn't you agree? And, uh, and so KK finally said, you know, I got to have something that's got some sleeves, and uh, I need to find what we did with the coats and the sweaters and things from last year, so she had to make room, very convenient for our sermon series, she had to make room in the closets in some of the areas to put those winter things so that we could have those in our life. And typically when you're doing that, you're taking some things out and putting other things in, and, and I was really surprised at how heavy the, the containers were when we brought them in and how light they were when we took them out, how different it was from the winter things and the summer things and how different they even weighed in content as they were stored away. This morning, as you think about your daily choices, I, I want you to have a little exercise with me that I think, I hope will be memorable and I, it's going to help you to remember a definition of discernment. So I want you to look around you. There should be some cards and there should be some pens. And so I want you to be able to take either the back of the, the ministry guide where it says notes or on the card you take. And I want you to, with a pen, I want you to draw three lines. Put a little space between them and just draw three lines. Now, I want everybody, please, participating in this, all right? And you're going to have to have some help in a minute, okay? So everybody draw three lines, just what, however you long you want, and leave a little space between them, okay? So now, once you've done that, I feel like a teacher, look up here at me, and uh, once you've done it, I'll know that you're looking at me because you've drawn three. It's not that hard. Three, like one, two, three. All right, you got it? Three lines. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that card, 
and I want you to swap with someone else and I want them to draw one line somewhere in your three lines, okay? So go ahead, hand it to somebody else and, and don't try to make it match. You know, just, just draw a line of your own, any width, any length, something that you draw that's different. So that's the drill. It's going to help you if you play along. Swap, they draw a line. Now, once it's done, get your card back, okay? Now, here's the question of the morning. Can you tell the line that they drew and how it's different from your line? Can you pick it out? Usually when I talk on the topic of discernment, I use markers and I'll draw three lines in one color, then I'll draw another line in another color. One time I did that, and I had someone colorblind sitting there looking at it. You know, it, it, didn't, it didn't make the point, all right? So if you can tell the difference between the line that they drew and the three lines that you just drew, that is what's known as discernment. You can pick out what's different. So this morning, as we talk about discernment, can you tell the difference? Listen to what that verse said that, we just, that Joanne just read for us. It said that we, as we submit ourselves to God, that we will not be conformed to this world, will be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and we will test so that we may discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how do you discern in a choice what you should do. That's what we're trying to understand from the scripture this morning. How do you tell the difference? Now, I know that you don't want me to spend a lot of time in trying to explain the Hebrew words and the Greek words, but I, I do want you to know that one of the Hebrew words that's used in the Old Testament to talk about discernment is a word that talks about the space between. Literally, it means that you can see the space between one thing and another. So I brought with me some definitions of some other teachers. So let me just read a few of them to get you thinking about what is discernment. One guy said it's telling the difference between, it's the definite line between one thing and another. It's picking out what's different. So see, you've, you've already done that. Here's a little more complicated one. Skill and accuracy in reading character detecting and identifying real truth, seeing beneath the surface and correctly sizing up a situation, reading between the lines. One says that you're understanding and applying God's word with the purpose of separating truth from error, right from wrong. You know, this morning we could talk about people who don't know Christ and we could say, even a person that doesn't know Christ, that guy's pretty discerning. Okay, he, he can read a room, he can tell the situation, he can know if it's going good or if it's going bad, or he might even could tell the difference between good and great. But we're talking about spiritual discernment this morning. So we're going to find another source and another clarity on what it means to discern. I saw this one I thought was kind of clever. It says when a girl's trying to understand who she's going to date. She doesn't fall for the fake. She doesn't flirt with the phony. She doesn't dance with the deceiver. She doesn't kiss the counterfeit goodnight. She can see through 
the opportunity and decide if it's something she wants to welcome into her life or not. Notice the scripture says here that we are testing to discern what is the will of God. So how do we tell the difference and make room for discernment? As I think about this passage, I can't help but remember, I, I didn't really want to tell you this, but I just, I just got to tell you this, all right? The first time I ever preached, very first time I ever preached, I went to my pastor and I said, okay, you've asked it to be Youth Sunday and you've asked me to preach. I was 15, right at 16 years old, all right? I said, so you've asked me to preach, so how do you prepare a sermon? He said, well, you just pick a verse in the Bible and you read it over and over again and you try to understand it. Then you see if you can write down something of what it means and then you tell people. I said, okay, it makes sense. What was the first passage in the Bible you ever preached? He said, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I said, that'll work for me, all right? So write it down. He wrote it on a card and handed it to me. And this is the very first passage that I ever preached. I remember that day as I was preaching, the, the place was full. The football team came that morning on Youth Sunday. Uh, and it was a big deal. That little church was totally packed. Never seen that many people in there before. And I stood up to preach. Now, one of the things that happened is while I was preaching, I, I sensed God saying, this is what I've made you to do. And I said, could we talk about that later? You know, can you just help me get through this? Because I was scared to death. But I remember so clearly talking about this verse 2 where it talks about conformity. You know, everybody wants to have the right style. Nobody wants to dress something that's totally out of style. Uh, when, when my youngest daughter was leaving home, I said, Carmen, what are we going to do? Rent a teenager so we'll know what's cool? You know, I mean, we won't know what's cool anymore. She stops at the door, no, you can't wear that, okay? So how do you know? I mean, how do you conform in a way that you want to be in style? So it was a pretty easy application for me to make that day preaching to all the people in that church, that first sermon, to talk about conformity. And we even have noticed some people conform to nonconformity. You know, they all still do the same thing in their nonconforming. What does the scripture mean when it says, do not be conformed to this world? One translation says, don't let the world pour you into its mold. What about your thinking? Do you have distinctly biblical thinking? Is your mindset, is, is your worldview, I'm not trying to get into this bitter division that we have in culture because I think it's pretty clear to see that people arguing their point usually are doing it in a way that's not healthy. They're, they're arguing without really trying to understand but I'm talking spiritually, how do you know your mindset, your outlook? How do you know what you use when you get ready to make a decision? The scripture says that we are supposed to judge. We're supposed to evaluate. We're supposed to approve. We're supposed to appraise. Not with a judgmental spirit. Not with a rejecting attitude but clearly knowing this is right and this is wrong. I'm telling you, in, in this culture, I can't think of a more unpopular thing to say than to tell you that there are some things that are just categorically right and there are some things that are just categorically wrong. And 
Our culture acts like the only thing that you can't tolerate is somebody who's got an opinion different than yours, right? How do you choose and appraise and evaluate? Well, the scripture makes it very clear. It says, by the transforming of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewed mind. How do you have a transformed mind? How do you have a mind that is renewed? Well, the scripture also makes that pretty clear. If you'll turn to your, to your right, you're going to notice that it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that there's something about the way we understand things since we've been born of God's spirit that is different than those who do not. You know, God doesn't put any kind of premium on ignorance, okay? He, he doesn't prefer that you be unlearned and untrained. Some people act like if we have a conviction as a follower of Christ that we're just simple-minded and we've been secluded way too long. But the scripture makes clear that God who created us has the right to have an opinion. <laughs> and the God who made us has a right to have a plan. And, and listen to what the scripture says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 when it's talking about the things of God, knowing Christ, and knowing how to follow him. Verse 14, listen to what the scripture says. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually, there's that word, discerned let's just let's just linger right here for just a moment who is that natural person it's a person who has never been born of the spirit well i always always get a little worried when i think of something to say that i had not thought about before if i said kanye west all right i i, I saw a thing this week uh, and and kanye was on on an airplane and he was talking about his new faith in Christ. I encourage you to go watch it. I, I think you will enjoy whether or not time's going to tell if he's the true follower of Christ. Man, I didn't, I didn't intend to get into that. But anyway, he's, he's on there and, and he's talking. And he said, the guy said, so how, how do we know this is not just going to be some little fad? I mean, that you really have changed and whatever. He said, well, let me ask you. If, if you go to sleep and you're asleep, do you know that you're asleep? And, and when you wake up, did you know that you'd been asleep? So when you're awake, you know you're awake. And when you're asleep, you're really asleep. And, and the Bible says that people who don't know Christ are asleep in their living. They're dead in their spiritual life. But when you've been made alive, when God wakes you up, and God gives you a way to see life through the lens of the cross, then you begin to understand that truth is spiritually discerned. And this morning, you might find people that could try to belittle you or put you down because you have a conviction. But the scripture here makes it very clear that the reason that those things are folly or foolish to them is because they are spiritually discerned. The scripture goes on. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. We could spend a whole lot of time talking about what's right to judge, what's wrong to judge. 
What, what's the right way to appraise and what's the wrong way to appraise? What's a judgmental spirit and what is discerning and judging what is right and what is wrong? But the spiritual person judges all things. He himself is judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now put that together. Romans 12 said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. And here it says, as a spiritual awake person toward God through the cross of Jesus Christ, we now have the mind of Christ. So again, I want to ask you, how do you discern? How do you tell the difference? How do you make a choice? It is by knowing that your mind needs to be transformed and knowing that it's the work of the Holy Spirit to give you light and to give you a new mindset. So let's talk, when it comes to discernment, a little more about this growing process. We sometimes joke about putting together a message and we say the hardest thing is figuring out what to preach, then the second hardest thing is figuring out what not to preach, all right? Because you, you study and you get so many things and you go, can I, can I do all that? Well, you'll notice I'm going to a third passage and we really are going to do them all in, a, in an allotted amount of time because I want us now to go to the book of Hebrews and let the book of Hebrews shine some light on this whole idea of discernment and tell us what it means to be a discerning follower of Christ. So in Hebrews chapter 4, again, we come to the end of a chapter and I want you to see what it says about your spiritual growth. It, I said 4, didn't I? It's chapter 5. Uh, when I get up here, this is very small text for an old man, okay? Uh, when I get up here, I sure can't see the verses, all right? It's, ch it's, it's chapter 5, and it's right there at the end, and I'm just going to read it on the screen with you, okay? For it says, at the end of chapter 5, about this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. Let's, let's just stop there for a minute. Become dull of hearing. So is a, a message an effective message by the speaker or the listener? I'm going to say yes, all right? Because it's one thing for me to have something to say. It's another thing for you to listen. <laughs> it's another thing for you to open up your mind and your heart to receive the word of God. Here he says you become dull of hearing. How do you get dull of hearing? Well, guys, uh, do you listen to your wife? You know, sometimes we've, we've kind of joked looking around our congregation. We seem to have two primary generations. One generation that's closer to my age and one generation that's closer to Johnny's age, all right? And I sure hope Johnny never leaves because we need the next generation full here, all right? But in my generation, there's not a guy in the room that would not agree that he hadn't had trouble listening to his wife. Oh, I'm not saying that he, that he didn't hear what she said. He just didn't hear what she said, okay? And sometimes you hear the noises, but you can't figure out what the words are. 
I know for me, I would be in the other room and I'd walk around the corner and I'd say, KK, I just heard you say da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But I don't know what the words were. I, I can play back even the music and how it went up and down. And, but I, I can't figure out the words. And then by the grace of God, I went and got one of these things, all right? And so I've got this little bitty hearing aid inside my ear. And when I put it in, I can not only hear better, I can figure out what the words are, all right? And so now my only excuse is I'm not doing what she's saying, all right? But I'm hearing what she's saying. If you have ears to hear spiritually, hear what the scriptures say. We can become dull of hearing. We can quit listening to God. And we can quit doing what he says when he says it. How do you want to sharpen your hearing? Pay attention. Respond to what's been said and watch how that grows. The writer here says, we've got much to say about this and explain, but since you've become dull of hearing, I, I can't really tell you much more about it. But let's keep going. It, it says, for by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the basic principles of the oracles of God. That word there is the ABCs. You need somebody to go back and teach you the ABCs because you can't read. You ought to be teaching and you can't even read and understand and respond to the spiritual things. And he wasn't talking about human reading. He was talking about spiritual reading because then he explains it by applying it with digestion. He said, you need milk and not solid food. You know, the Bible makes it clear that there are times that to be childlike is, a, is something to be praised. I mean, last week we were talking about going to God for wisdom and we said, Father, I come like a little child and I don't understand and I need you to lead me. That's a good attitude to have in prayer. But it's not a good attitude to have in spiritual growth to always be satisfied with little sips of milk and never try to grow and apply what you're learning and even learn how to learn by yourself. Not just what somebody tells you and spoon feeds you. So this writer goes on to say, he says, and the reason I keep saying writer is something it was Paul, some don't, and I don't want to cause trouble in the congregation, but I just, I just did by bringing it up, all right? So he said, you need milk and not solid food, but look at the next verse. Then it says, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. So if you're only living on little bites of Bible and you're only, you're only living on little cute devotions that you read, I'm, I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but I'm saying that if you're going to grow spiritually in discerning, having a transformed mind, then you need to not keep acting like a child because solid food is for the mature who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice to distinguish, to discern between good and evil. There's that word again. That's why I chose this passage. So what's it saying? There's a right way to listen and respond. What's it saying? There's a right kind of hunger and learning how to grow and mature in your appetite. What's he saying? He says... That the mature are those who have their powers of discernment trained 
by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. A couple of really interesting words in the original text here. The one word of, of constant practice is talking about having a habit. Do you have any habits that include making room in your head and your heart for God? I've heard women say, you talk about getting up early, you don't have my kids, all right? Uh, they, they wear me out. I can't get up an hour early and do, and, and we say, well, Joanna Wesley used to sit in her kitchen and take her apron and put it over her head, and the kids knew they better leave her alone because mom was seeking counsel from a higher source, all right? I, I don't know when and how you find your time to cultivate your appetite, to Take the word of God into your life and learn how to listen and how to hear and how to respond to what he's saying. But he says there should be a habit if you want to be discerning. You've got to have the habit of that word of righteousness finding its way into your life as you grow up. But there's one more little interesting word behind these English words when it says discerned, trained by constant practice. The original Greek word behind that, listen, you're going to learn a little Greek this morning. You ready? Gymnazo. Not hard to figure out what it means. Gymnasium comes from gymnazo. Now what it means is to exercise like an Olympic athlete to be constantly training as is your habit to do what? Not just live on spiritual milk, but to live on spiritual meat because that's the only way you're going to find yourself coming into an opportunity of discerning what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. So this morning, are you still a baby? Or... Have you even been born of the Spirit? Because the scripture in 1 Corinthians made it very clear that the source of our discernment is the life of Christ within. And if we're refusing to act on what we know and not do it, then we're not going to be trained by the Word of God. So you decide are you a baby? Are you immature? You hate to say, well, I'm mature. Okay, well, could you say, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm listening, I'm training, I'm pleading for God to teach my heart to know how to tell what's right and what's wrong? So this morning, here's the response I want to call you to. Let's go back to Romans 12 for just a moment. Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. What does that mean? Well, he just finished 11 great chapters of explaining the ways and the will of God. 
And he just ended chapter 11 saying all things are from him and through him and to him. Be the glory for everything. Recognizing this cycle of the creator and the restorer and the sustainer and the finisher of all things. With that attitude, come by the mercies of God and present your life as a living sacrifice. I don't want to mess this up for you, but one preacher said the problem with living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar. You know, I mean, I I hope that doesn't bother you when you go read this passage again. But there is a sense in which you're to be a living sacrifice, not offering some animal because the sacrifice has already been made when Jesus gave his life to pay for our sins. So you come now and notice what it says, because it's your spiritual service of worship. It's the logical response to seeing who Jesus is. If we really see who he is, the logical response is to respond to him and say, Lord, I worship you, and I want you to be Lord of my life. The word liturgion, where we get our word liturgy for the planning of worship, that's right there in that text where it means that that is the logical, spiritual response of a believer when they understand who Jesus is and what he's done. So first, submit your life to Christ. Then, as you do, reject conformity to this world and welcome transformation by the Spirit of God. When's the last time you've been in a conversation with someone and you go, man, that's just wrong. Maybe you can't confront it. Maybe there's no opportunity for you to express your conviction. But you sense that's just not right. Do you ever watch the news? Do you ever listen to Issues that are in the news. Not long ago, I was in a hotel with our family, and my grandson came walking up. We were down in the area to eat the continental breakfast, and uh, I had a USA Today in my lap. And he walked over. He said, I didn't know you were that old. (laughs) And I said, what? He said, old people read the paper, you know. So I don't know if you're an old person and read the paper or if you watch TV. I thought of so many things I could bring up this morning and talk about. Can you really discern if that's right or if that's wrong? Can you see it? I mean, it's not just a, a preacher picking on it. Can you evaluate it? Can you understand it? Does it break your heart when... Just a few miles from here, legislators are debating whether or not a child has the right to go through a sex change operation. That ought to break your heart. That ought to grieve you. And when the mother says, look, this is a life-threatening decision because I know that my kid would have committed suicide without that. And I think, How many Christians 
are getting drawn into that kind of logic. Yes, our hearts should break over confused and hurting people. Yes, we should be quick to love those who have an entirely different perspective than us. But that's not where we determine what is right and what is wrong. The Word of God is very clear that He is our Creator and He made life and He wants those who have the life of Jesus in them to be able to look and see which line you drew and which line somebody else drew. And that's called discernment. How does that happen in your life? Well, you can go read or follow some Johnny One Note preacher. No offense, Johnny. I know we always pick on Johnny. The uh, Johnny One Note preacher who has one topic and all he can do is fuss about that topic. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that you as a child of God, growing in your understanding of the Word of God, need to know how to let the Spirit of God give clarity to the Word of God and see what's right and what's wrong. How do you get that? You go to the gym. You got to work out. I know you hate to hear that, but you got to work out. And for those of you that have trouble with your diet and have trouble working out, I've got some good news for you. There's another kind of diet and another kind of workout that you could start. And it might be, well, I don't know if it would be any easier or not, but it's something you can do to learn how to feast on the truth of who he is and learn how to not be dull of hearing, but to hear what he says and respond to it and watch what happens. All of a sudden, you encounter things in life and you're not conformed to the logic of this world. But you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you'll be able to discern what is the good and the perfect and the right will of God. I pray for that in your daily decisions. And I pray that when you're not facing a big decision, you'll know it's still a time to eat right and to work out, all right? Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. I pray today that you'd take what this frail preacher had to say and you would bring your word to clarity and truth in the lives of these, your children. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here today that's not born of your spirit, that's never found new life in Christ, that they'd know the difference of what it means to be asleep and what it means to be awake, of what it means to be dead and what it means to be alive. And I pray they'd come to you with all of their troubles and all of their cares and they would bring to you their heartache and their pain and their sin and their rejection and come to the cross of Christ and find that you do not have a pointing finger but a nail-pierced hand welcoming us to find forgiveness and new life in Jesus. So we thank you for the cross, Lord. We thank you for the price you paid for our sin. So may we respond by coming and giving ourselves as a living sacrifice.
That's the logical, spiritual response to the cross. In Jesus' name, we're praying this prayer. Would you look this way? In a moment, we're going to stand, and when we do, it's going to be a song that we'll sing and just let the message soak into our lives, welcoming it. The scripture talked about those who welcomed it for what it was, the very word of God. I hope you heard the word of God and what this word of man said this morning and that you can welcome it into your life. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be standing here during this song. If you need to come up and kneel, you do that and know that we go through the list every week of who's here, who's part of our family, who our friends are, who our guests are, and we pray for you by name. And this week, we'll be praying for you by name for your spiritual growth that maybe you can graduate from milk to meat and maybe you can learn what it's like to go to the gym and be trained in knowing what's good and acceptable to the Lord. Make this your prayer. Would you stand? Let's sing it together.